And uh, some of you uh, weren't here last week, or maybe this is your first time. And let me just uh, bring you up to speed. We started a new series last week called New School Years. Did anybody know it was a new school year? Did the students survive? Even more importantly, did the teachers uh, survive it? All right, well, I hope so. I hope it was a good week for you. And we're looking in First, uh, first Samuel 16 and 17 uh, at the uh, story of uh, Samuel last week and this week, David. New school year. Let me just, let me just bring you up uh, to speed a little bit here, review. Now, see, most of us sitting here today, we're out of school, right? Academically. But friend, we are never out of school spiritually. Every day of our lives, there are lessons that God wants to teach us about his love, about his holiness, and about our life mission, about why he put us on this planet, about why he designed us like he did, about the things that he wants us to do. And so every day, really, it's a new school year if you're a child of God, and God has some great things to do. Uh, we talked last week about our, two of our core values. We have a mission to be loving, growing, going. We have core values, and, and two of them. The first one is growth equals change. Growth equals change. Somebody said, everybody wants progress. Nobody wants change. Well, that may be a little overstated. Some people like it, but that's the reality. We want, we want progress, don't we? But do we want to change, you know, to bring that, prog that progress? And there's no growth in our lives if there is no change. The second core value we talked about is we take next steps. You can't grow and go forward if you stay where you are. It involves a next step. In 1 Samuel 17 today, we're going to find one person in a whole nation, in, in all of God's people, one person who was willing to take the next step when no one else was. 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. Now, the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Succoth in Judah, and they pitch camps at places that I can't pronounce. So, verse 2, Saul and the Israelites assembled, and they camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. We're going to throw up a map there, and this might help you understand just a little bit, kind of picture this. This is the Valley of Elah today, okay? They didn't have roads back, and they didn't have helicopters to take these pictures like back then. But anyway, that's the Valley of Elah today. Now, see, the Philistines were near Succoth up there at the top. That's kind of the north side of the valley. And then the Israelites, they were on the south side here, all right? And so there's, there's this valley in between them. Now, the Philistines were a formidable foe. They were a very, very powerful army, okay? Well, why didn't the Philistines just, you know, just take them on and storm up the hill? 
because the Philistines, one of the reasons they were so powerful is they were the ones who developed the war chariot, the metal war chariot. This is about 1,000 B.C. Well, <laughs> what do you think it would be like trying to get those war chariots up this hill where the Israelites were? So, actually, there was a 40-day standoff. We'll find out all about that, okay? Verse 4. A champion from the Philistine side, okay, was Goliath. He was from Gath. He came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Now, we're, we're not exactly sure about those measurements, but we think that a cubit was 18 inches, okay? And a span was the span of a hand, okay, which was about nine inches, okay? That would make him nine feet, nine inches tall. This was a big dude, all right? This was a giant. He had a bronze helmet on his head, wore a coat of scale armor, a bronze weighing 5,000 shekels, 125 pounds, okay? That's his armor. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point. The point of the spear weighed 15 pounds. His shield bearer went before him. Wow. Now, new school year. You, you've had many new school years. All right. You have learned a lot from a lot of teachers, okay? But friend, I just want to remind you today that there is only one teacher who knows everything. And that's Almighty God. Because he knows all about the past. He knows all about the future. He knows what's going to and nobody else does. He knows all about you. He knows everything. And so today, we're going to talk about some life lessons. We're going to school. It's a new school year. We're going to talk life lessons from the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving teacher, the only one there is, and that's God. And the first lesson is this. We all have giants. We all have giants that scare us. They're very frightening. They're big. They're imposing. doesn't look like we'll be able to take it. They scare us. And tragically, most of the time, they stop us. They stop us from going forward. They stop us from being all that God <laughs> will let us be if we don't step forward. Now, our giants don't come at, it, come at us with swords and shields and spears, okay? They attack us with bills we can't pay. They attack us with people that we can't get along with. And sometimes they're under the same roof. They attack us with destructive habits that aren't helping us. They're hurting us. They're keeping us back. And so what's your giant today? Is it broken relationship? I mean, you just got this relationship. You can't get past it. It, it, it fell apart. And you're not going forward at all. Broken relationship, painful marriage, harsh parents. You know, we blame everything on our parents. Fickle friends. Uncooperative co-workers. Anybody have any of those? 
I'm looking to see if our staff is raising their hand. No, okay, good. They're too afraid to. Poor health, is that your giant worry? Grief, somebody you love died. Discouragement, stress, drugs, alcohol, sex, debt, rejection, anger. All kinds of giants. You don't just have one, you have others, all right? Friend, slaying that giant or excuse me, not slaying that giant keeps you from the greatness that God has for you. Not slaying that giant. So if you're going to win the battle, if you're going to win a battle, you got to know your enemy, right? And so God gives us lessons about our giant. Let's go to the second one, and it's in verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Here's life lesson number two. Our giants shout louder than God. That's very, very important. Because God, he doesn't shout. He usually speaks in a still, small voice. He speaks in his word. That's not shouting. (laughs) That's his written word that he's given to us. Now, your giants shout, so that's what you hear. And that's what scares you. I ran into a giant last Monday. We went into a, to a restaurant, and we were enjoying supper, and as we were just about finished, Donna sp- uh, spotted a, a couple coming in, and she knew them, and they had a three-year-old boy, and uh, the hostess actually seated them at the table right beside ours, and so we were finishing up, and, you know, we stood up, but we talked, you know, for four or five minutes, and then uh, the mother or father, I can't remember, said to their little three-year-old son, they said, well, say goodbye to the hires. And he shouted. He shouted, goodbye, poopy head. <laughs> now me, I was about to say, hey, kid, you want to step outside? and Because uh, I thought I could... Probably take him. Now Donna's response, of course, was more spiritual than mine. And she just, she went down like that. I'll never forget. She went, did you call me poopy head? I never would have come up with that to disarm the situation. All right. As my giant, as one of them. Okay, now friends, I just, this is the point. There's a point to this story, okay? Your giant doesn't shout poopy head at you. Your giant shouts or whispers, you're not good enough. You're not good looking enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have enough money. Giants shout things that are lies. You know the louder a person talks, the more that they have to try to convince you of what they're saying is right, and often it isn't. Giants shout things that are lies. Giants shout, you're a nobody. You're nobody special. And friend, that's a lie. God loves you. You are so special. God sent his son to die in your place to save you. And he's coming back because he wants to take you to heaven. 
So the question this morning, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe your giants who are shouting at you or your God who is whispering to you in a still small voice or by his word? Are you going to believe in the word of God or the world all around you? Verse 8. Giant shout, giant shouted, why did you come out and line up for battle? He's talking to all, this is, all the Israelites that are hang, you know, hiding behind trees. And, Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let's fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of uh, an Ephrathite named Jesse who was from Bethlehem. And that's kind of important where he's from. It was only 15 miles away from the battlefront. Now, why was there? Because Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shema. David was the youngest son. The three uh, oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand and shouted out this threat. Verse 17, Now one day Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to the camp. They are starving. They need food. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are doing. Bring back assurance. Man, I'm worried about them. They're with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of another shepherd and loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines. They're looking at each other again. David left the things with the keeper of the supply, and he ran to the front. And he asked his brothers how they were doing. As he was talking with his brothers, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the, the giant, they all fled for him in great fear. Now, the Israelite soldiers had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy us, and King Saul is going to give great wealth to the man who kills him. He's also going to give him his daughter in marriage, and he's also going to exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Wow, Saul really wants somebody to go do that. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they'd been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. 
When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger, and he asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you lead those few sheep that you're taking care of, baby brother in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are. I know how your wicked heart is. You only came down here to watch the battle. Uh, apparently, uh, David's brother had some issues with his baby brother, huh? Yeah, I guess so. And one of them, of course, you know, uh, David, uh, one day the prophet came and anointed David to be king, the next king. He passed over David's oldest brothers. And Eliab, Eliab excuse me, was the tallest. He was the oldest. He was the logical choice. Yeah, he was bitter. Yeah, he had issues, bitterness and guilt and fear. And that's another life lesson. Giants prey on any bitterness we have. Anybody we haven't forgiven. Anybody we're let holding us back. They prey on our guilt of how we've disobeyed God. Hey, we've all disobeyed God and God's ready to forgive. So we can go on. And he preys on the fear that we have of those giants. Eliab couldn't stand up to his giants. David refused to be defeated by his. David responded to Eliab, now, now what have I done? Can I even speak? <laughs> and he then turned to somebody else and he brought up the same manner, matter and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for him. Saul's the king. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart because of this giant. I'll go fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. David's brothers, even King Saul said, David, you can't kill that giant. And that's life, life lesson number four. Many people are going to say to you, you can't do what God wants you to do. Now I want to ask you, who is going to tell you that you can't do what God wants you to do? Who? The people who aren't doing what God wants them to do. Right? There are going to be people who say, you can't take that giant in your life. Who are they? The people who are unwilling to stand up to the giant in their life. What does God say? How can we stand up, tear down those giants, in our life. Remember math class? Teacher on the board, you know, they showed you how to do the math problem, solve the, solve the problem, do the equation, something like that. Then what did they do? They gave you homework. 
Because the only way that you would learn is if you practice doing it yourself. And, and we talked about these life lessons here. And there are a lot of life lessons. We, God's got them for, for us every day. There are a lot of life lessons. Well, what does God do? God gives us homework. He wants to see if we're just, you know, interested in learn, hearing some new idea or if we really want to go forward and be great in his kingdom and in his eyes. So let's talk about some homework assignments, okay? And the first one is this. Great victories start in God's kindergarten. And I'm basing that on verse 34, where David said to King Saul, who just told him you can't do that, and what's his reply? Yes, I can. Uh-uh, is what he says. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. I've been keeping my father's sheep. And everybody told David, you can't kill that giant because you're just a shepherd boy, okay? And you need to know about sheep keeping, all right? Are any shepherds here? No, okay. A few things about sheep keeping. That was the job that the youngest boy in the family got. Or girl, maybe. I don't know. Why is that? Because it was the dirtiest. It was the smelliest. It was the boringest. It was whateverest job it was that nobody else wanted to do. But God had David there. Why? Because God wants us doing smelly, dirty, boring things? No. Because he's teaching us. God had David keeping sheep <coughs> to develop his skills that he would need to kill a giant. In uh, the movie Karate Kid, how many of you have seen that? I, I'm not sure I've made it th ever made it through, but I, I hope I'm right on my details here. Maya, Maya, Miyagi. Miyagi is Daniel's teacher, right? Daniel wants to learn karate. So he goes, and what does Miyagi have him do? First thing, wax his car. And then what? Sand a wooden floor. Then what? Paint his house. And Daniel's so upset. What do those things have to do with karate? And finally, Miyagi shows Daniel all those crummy jobs. They strengthen the critical muscles that he would need for karate. They, de they develop the movements, the moves that he would need to make to be a karate expert. And one of the skills that a shepherd boy learned was how to shoot a slingshot. Because that was their main weapon against wild animals, a slingshot. And little did David know that one day he would use that skill to do what? To kill a giant. Friend, great victories start in God's kindergarten. And so David explains that. He says, 
saw when a lion or a bear came out while I was keeping those sheep and they carried off one of my sheep, I went after it. I struck it down. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it. I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who has rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And friend, here's the reality. That God won't ask you to do what he hasn't prepared you to do. Let's state it positively. God will prepare you to do what he will ask you to do. Before David faced the giant, God had him face a bear and a lion. And, and slinging a rock at a giant wasn't too much different than slinging one at a lion and at a bear. In fact, maybe it was easier because the giant was bigger. The target was bigger. A general doesn't send his army into, uh, into battle without training them first, right? God doesn't send us out to slay our giant before he trains us and equips us to do it. And God watches us. He watches us while we're serving in those small things that maybe we don't enjoy, that maybe we think are insignificant, they maybe think don't matter, things that we get tired of and we want to stop doing them. But friend, God prepares you so that when Goliath shows up, you're ready. And the question today, are you serving Jesus? Are you serving Jesus? Because what he asks you to do to serve him, what he's equipped you to do, those are the things that are going to equip you to, to slay your giant. Are you serving Jesus? If not, maybe you're not going to be ready for the giant. Olymp Olympic gymnasts win gold because of the time they spend in the training room, not the time they spend on the medal stand, right? That's where we grow. That's, that's where we take those steps. That's where we get strong. Christians who win their battles against their giants spend time with Jesus Friend, your battles will be won in your time with God way before you meet Goliath. That's why we need to be with him. That's why we need to read his word. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to think about him during our day. He's there. He's thinking about you. He's speaking to you. Speak back. Listen. Christians who win their battles against their giants spend time with the Lord. They serve the Lord. And if you don't, you'll never slay your giant. He's your power. He's your strength. Homework number two. Focus on the size of your God, not on the size of your giant. See, the problem is we can see the giant or we can feel the giant. But we may not see or feel God. Verse 37, 
Saul said to David, okay, hey, Saul's desperate. He'll take anybody that will go against that giant. Go ahead, and the Lord be with you, because, boy, you're going to need him. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He, he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic, and David then tried walking around, but he was not used to that. I can't go in these, he said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So he took them off. And then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Now, why did David take five stones? Because he was afraid he wouldn't get, the fir- get him with the first one? No. You have to read 2 Samuel to find out. Goliath wasn't the only giant. He had four brothers. David knew they'd be coming after him too. And they did. You can read about it in 2 Samuel chapter 21. I'm kind of losing you here. We need some help. I'm going to ask for some helpers, okay? Trevor, would you come help me, buddy? And, and Ron, would you help me? Would you help me? Okay, thank you. What could they say? No? Uh, absolutely not? Okay. All right, Trevor, now you're still a teenager, right? Yeah, now you're older than David. David's probably only 13 or 14 years old, and you're 19, 18? 18, okay. So you're a little, anyway. And Ron, you're, you're, you're not a teenager anymore. You're a little, a little bit. All right, a little bit. But he is tall, okay? So would you mind being Goliath? Would you mind being David? Okay, shake hands, come out. No, okay? All right, so what we're going to... Now, you... T- yeah, you, you're tall, but we got to make you taller. we got to make you really tall. Okay, so would you come over here? And thank you. Here we're going to do... We're going to have you stand on the ladder. I hope that's going to be okay. Just nod at the top. I was going to use Ken as the giant, but he's he pitched for the Cubs, not the Giants. So, yeah, I, I knew he wouldn't. I knew he would refuse to do that. All right, so would you mind going up to the third level? Third level? Is that, that's not too, yeah, you can hang on there. Okay, now he's 9-9. Nine, nine. Okay, that, that's Goliath. Okay? All right, now, Trevor. Okay, buddy. There's your slingshot. All right. And here, here's five stones. All right, now I want you to hit him right there, all right? Think you can do it? You, you can do it? Well, then I'm not going to let you if you can do it, all right, because we, we, don't, want, we don't want Ron to get hurt, you know? That would be way too much paperwork for us to fill out. So, uh, all right. How about here? We got five smooth stones, all right? All right, now, so, uh-oh, uh-oh. Okay, now, guys, uh, see, if Goliath won, then all the Israelites going to get killed, you know, in the process. So who are you going to root for? You need, you don't know? You need to root for this guy right here, all right? So you, you cheer him on, all right? 
Okay, and there's Goliath. He's going to taunt you. He's taunting you right now. Look at that. He is saying you couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, okay? Yeah, see? All right. All right, so go, go. Hit him. Hit him right there. Whoa. 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 I think he would have. <laughs> Good shot, man. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I needed to wake him up. That was the, and you did it. You did it. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Where was it? Homework assignment number three. Now, you, you know, Trevor really did good. Do you know why? Play baseball. No, yeah, he's thrown he's thrown a lot of pitches. All right, I mean, I think he would have got Ron. Okay, he, I think he would have hit his head. Okay, and that's why that's because he practiced. That's homework number four. Hone the gifts God has given you. David couldn't slay that giant with Saul's armor. But he could with the gift that God had given him. God had him out in those fields as a shepherd. God had him learn how to do a slingshot. God had him, pra he practiced hours. He couldn't talk on his iPhone. He, had, he hours after hour after hour. That's how he could kill the bear. That's how he could kill the lion. That's how he killed Goliath. Friend, you can't take down your giant with somebody else's armor. And here's what I mean. Okay, I'm a pastor. There are times I say, you know, if I could preach like Andy Stanley, Man, I'd win so many more people to Jesus. You know, if I could uh, debate and reason with people like Ravi Zacharias, boy, then I'd really bring a lot of people to Jesus. And see, this is unfortunately our temptation. You know, if I, if I, you know, had a great gift, if I was a Heisman Trophy winner like Tim Tebow, then everybody would pay attention to me when I talked about Jesus. You know, if I was a great singer, you know, if I was really good at talking, and, and so we, we're trying to use somebody else's gift. Friend, God has given you spiritual gifts. Are you using them? Are you serving the Lord now in the way that He equipped you to serve? Not somebody else. You. Friend, if you're not using that gift, you're not sharpening it, you're not honing it. How can you... How can you do something great if you're not using the gift that God has given you? 
Are you using it? Are you honing it? If you do, God will use it for greatness. Verse 41, Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer kept coming closer to David. He looked David over. He saw he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you've come to to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David. He's trash talking now. He's talking smack. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. (laughs) But I come to you with what? In the name of the Lord Almighty, the God who can do everything, the God of the armies of Israel, then you've been defying him. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And here it is. And the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. Was David going to do this so he would be famous, so everyone would say, oh, that David, he is a great guy. He's the giant killer. No, David was going to do it because he wanted everybody to know that there is one God. And friend, I hope you want everybody to know there's one true God. There's one true God. And that's how God wants to use us. David didn't fight the giant so the world would know about him. They did it. He did it so they would know about God. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack, David ran quickly from the battle line and reaching into his bag and taking out one stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead and the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell face down. So David triumphed over the giant with a sling. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine. And friend, as we, as we need to always be reminding ourselves, God didn't give us his word so we'd listen to a sermon. He gave us his word, so do it, so we would do his will. So we would apply it so we would take the next step. Friend, giants will threaten you. They'll threaten you with everything, with fear, with worry, questions, temptation, death, a tragedy, addiction, anger, rejection, all all the things you've experienced. Giants will make you feel like you can't win. They'll make you feel like you can't be great for God. But God's word says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, you can't do all things. You can't slam dunk. Because God doesn't want you to. I can do all things God wants me to do through Christ. Who gives me strength. Giants will threaten you, and you need to understand this too. People will fail you. Do not depend on other people for your courage and confidence and faith. David's brother didn't encourage him. They discouraged him. <laughs> and uh, uh, 
Eliab was bigger and stronger than David. But David listened to God. People will fail you even if they love you. In fact, sometimes because they love you, they'll be so afraid for you, they'll tell you, oh, no, 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 God doesn't really want you to do that. Oh, no, 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 don't take that step, you know. Oh, you could get hurt. No, no. People will fail you. Why? Because they're not perfect. <laughs> if they love you, but you're, they're not perfect. They're going to give you wrong counsel sometimes. Is that going to keep you? from doing what God wants you to do. What God will use you to do, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us. And number four, do what others want. Excuse me, do what God wants, no matter what others say. Talk to listen to God all day. We talk to people a lot more than we talk to God. We listen to people more than we listen to God. Talk and listen to God. Learn God's life lesson. Hone that spiritual gift that God has given you, those skills that God has given you, and use them for God. And then when the time comes, be ready to slay your giant. New school year. We're all in a lifelong school of learning, God's lifelong school of learning. We don't finish it we, until we die, until we take our last breath. And you know there's a graduation. Man, when you're in school, you just can't wait till graduation. Well, in the Christian life, I hope you're looking for graduation. And friend, the reality is you can drop out in defeat or you can graduate in victory. Your choice. Remember the first freshman orientation. The dean of students, the academic dean, who was a no-nonsense guy. He got up and he said, okay, all you freshmen, look around. Only one out of three of you will graduate. Okay. I'm going to be it. I'm going to be one of those three. I'm going to be one of those three. You can drop out in your Christian life. You can say, well, I've done my, my time serving. Well, you know, I am, I'm going to take it easy from now on. Let, I'm going to let other people do the work. Whatever. No. You can drop out in defeat or you can graduate in victory. And friend, here's the bottom line. God will not be defeated. <laughs> if you're doing what God wants you to do, God won't be defeated. God's going to destroy the giant. With you or without you. He wants to use you for the victory. Dear Father, thank you for your amazing love that you, you would choose us. You, you don't love David more than you love us. You, you love us. You love us all God and you want us to follow your son Jesus and you want to use us and you want us to experience victory in our life and you're going to destroy those giants in our lives you're going to do it with us or you're going to do it without us 
we get to participate in the victory <laughs> or we don't. And God, you called us. And I pray it's a new school year every day for us spiritually. And Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to learn those life lessons. Help us to do those homework assignments that you give. Because nothing done for the Lord will ever be in vain. God, we thank you and praise you. And friends, are you a follower of Jesus? That's what it's all about. God, send his son here to earth to die on the cross for you and then to show you the way to heaven, to lead you there so to get to heaven. We follow the son, accept him as our savior, and we follow him every day of our life. We're in this lifelong school of learning. We're doing the will of God as he empowers and enables us. If you don't know Jesus personally, that's what life's all about, this life. That's what the life to come is all about. You don't want to be separated from God. You want to be a part of his kingdom. Embrace him today. As your Savior, follow him every day as your Lord for the victory he has for you. Thank you, Lord, for your great and awesome love. And, Lord, thank you so much. You have great things planned for us this week. May we all make the decision. We're going to follow you. We're going to trust in you. And we're going to experience them all for the glory of God and for our good as well. And thank you, dear Lord. And, Lord, we're looking forward to next Sunday. Next Sunday's water day. Lord, help us to bring people, to show them that there is joy in the Christian life, to show them how they can know you and follow you too. And Lord, use us as a church, and then use us in our, in our jobs this week, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our offices, wherever we are. God, use us, because that's why we're here. And God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.